I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Bass Guitar Nerds podcast, a podcast by guitar nerds. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Naomi McLeod. Hello. And JD Short. Greetings, all. Yes, indeed. And we are back. We're back for the, the, uh, the, is it the, it's the 10th episode. This is the 10th episode. I just didn't write that in the document. Yes, we are back with the 10th episode, the final um, episode of Series 1 of the Bass Guitarners. Last episode for this year, for 2020, the worst year of all years. But good, <laughs> good, because it was the year of the first series of the Bass Guitarners podcast. Hmm. And after that, we, we, well, we, we're going to be back with Gear of the Year, because we're going to do Gear of the Year Bass as part of the Guitar Nerds Gear of the Year series, which will be coming up, base, which will be coming up uh, mid-December or whatever. So we've got four episodes of the Guitar Nerds, and then one episode of the Bass Guitar Nerds. Because you know, as with everything else, less things have been released this year. So we'll be talking about best bass guitars, best bass amps, and best bass effects pedals that have landed in 20. 20 which would be which would be cool so you can catch us again on that but yes as i say this will be the last episode um so we're going to try and answer some of your questions because you've all been getting involved really good actually everyone's been really wonderfully vocal on uh, our facebook group facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar nerds forum people have been getting very involved and asking our hosts naomi jd and me um some really good questions so we're going to try and get through some more of those and sort of finish the series on on that but first of all naomi who's become like a bit of a helix convert since last week you got yourself one of the uh the hx stomps and line six have only gone and uh given another another upgrade helix 3.0 they're very good at doing updates it, it feels like the product that keeps on giving Yes, it does indeed. So this was all over my socials on whatever day it was a few days back. And I scrambled to my HX edit and got it loaded and it has not disappointed. Um, I'd like to say that I went in and, you know, really explored the um, the firmware updates outside of the really cool effects that they've added and amps but um that's not what happened i got really <laughs> distracted by the cool amps and cabs and effects that have been added um 
So in the case of the HX Stomp, which is the only one I can speak for, because it's the the one I own, um, we have gone from six to eight blocks. So that's that's the oh really wow yeah. So that's the most kind of fundamental um, or maybe maybe most obvious um, addition. Um, in 3.0, which is superb. Now, we don't get more DSP with that, obviously. So I think... Right, so you've um, got to be careful. Yeah, I don't think you're... You know, I, I don't necessarily think you're going to be able to um, go wild, let's say, with um, maybe pitch and time-based effects um, in the way that in the way that some might like to. But, um, yeah, for all intents and purposes, we've, we've gone from six to eight, which is super awesome. Stoked about that. Um, in addition to that, the new effects are pretty impressive, and I ran through some of them just before we hit record this evening. Um, it seems on- like uh, they, like it's very fuzz centric. The, uh, the the effects updates that they've gone for. Yeah, the distortion updates include th- three fuzzes. So out of, yeah, out of five distortion updates, there's three fuzzes there. With three new fuzzes. That must there must be like twenty fuzzes now on the helix. There's, yeah, I mean, there's, um, I think you, your guess might be better than mine, but yeah, I feel like it's, it's well over, um, yeah, it's well over kind of 10 or 12 anyway, which is plenty to be going on with. Sure. Um, yeah, so the Horizon Drive was the one that everyone was speaking about, which is um, based on the Horizon Devices Precision Drive. Um, really, really into that. I was um, pretty impressed by how well the low end holds. Um, I've heard the precision drive, but I haven't used it myself. So the Horizon was um, the Horizon drive was my first experience of playing it, um, actually on the stomp itself. Um, they've also done a HM2 um, copy, which is the Swedish chainsaw. Um, topical, that... topical at the moment. As Bob yeah. just announced their yeah, absolutely collaborative effort to reintroduce that. Yeah, which is awesome in its own right. But yeah, definitely good to have that there on the on the stomp um i'm going to be trying some parallel processing processing on that to really get the um the gnarl from the swedish chainsaw oh, cool. um, with some clean low end um yeah and then the fuzzes i just had a quick run through them there's the pocket fuzz which is based on the jordan boss tone fuzz there is the bighorn fuzz which i probably played with the most based on the ram's head big muff pie mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is super tasty. And then the ballistic fuzz based on the Euthemia ICBM fuzz. Oh, so, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, sounded awesome. So, yeah, I mean, really, the, the Horizon Drive, again, is is the one that a lot of people are talking about. It's the one, um, personally, that I messed around with the most. Super no, impressed. No new bass amps this time. It was quite limited on the amp updates, right? Yes, it was. The new amps are... Yeah, there are Princeton. There's a Princeton amp, and then there's two. I think oh, two a couple VH4s. of diesel styles, right? Yeah. yeah, and then two Princeton cab um, editions as well. One I by see. ten and one by twelve. It's not a huge amount there. And then because I am a pitch addict, pitch shift addict, <laughs> um, I checked out the um, the poly pitch, the poly wham, the poly capo. Or Polycapo. Um, the Polycapo just... sounds like a great product for bass players. It is. And more than anything, the tracking, not that the tracking didn't impress me um, before 3.0, but the tracking on the on the new patches is super awesome. Um, you know, I, in my kind of quick 
run through I was really deliberately kind of messing around on the on the lower two strings and right. they were holding it was very very impressive I have to say that's very cool have mm. you messed around with it much the polycapo because kind of, the reason I ask my question is is it just like transposing is it is it a capo or is it a spider capo as in you know can I uh, could I transpose down my low e string to a b but leave everything else as is. Yeah, I'm not sure actually. Um, but that is that's the question I'm going to ask as soon as we finish this evening. <laughs> Still a fantastic um, product, otherwise. Um, you know, absolutely. Just, just yeah. being able to just being able to not have to shift around. It's just you know, if I could have a digital D tuner on my bass, like that would be that would be very very cool. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, completely. Like, I feel like the spider capo would have to happen. Like you would have to have separate outs almost, because how uh, uh, yeah. elsewise how would you know which string? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, I'm not thinking of this from a technology perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's because of course you could do that with the if you're using the helix with a um a thing the a variax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we are. Yeah, uh, if you're using it with a variax, which of course they don't do a, a bass option anymore, you can get the shuriken baritone, um, but. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no base option at the moment for that. So yeah, you're probably right. It is just going to be a general purpose capo, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, super oh, cool would... for like momentary work, though. I would say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, especially with that awesome tracking. And it looks like a more complex looper as well. The yeah. shuffling looper. Yeah, I haven't played with the looper yet, and I'll tell you a. I shouldn't say embarrassing secret, actually, because I really like it. I literally have just used the the ditto, like the simplest looper in the actual world yeah. for my for my looping time um, and haven't bothered with um, really exploring much else loop wise just yet. So they're, they're really good. I, I actually. Yeah. Have, have you used the looper on the stomp then? Um on the on the helix i sorry had. Yeah, yeah 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 uh yeah and it was fine I, it looks like this one's just sort of extended range to it the loop is very good uh on the um on the on the helix because mm. they've kind of thought about the dl4 um style looper yeah. so you get you get the uh half time and the reverse yeah. function on there which is very very useful mm. um i i really like the ditto though like uh, just on a a tangent on that i I still think it's a the best little looper if you just want simple looping when i completely at, yeah at gak we were doing these things where uh these challenges for a few weeks where i had to go and get a, a load of effects pedals and had to recreate a movie theme using like a loop one guitar a looper and a, a load of effects and i used to get one of the other fellas would play the parts and then i would switch them all in i always did it with a ditto just because when you're actually hand controlling pedals like that Mm -hmm. rather than with your feet just that the the sort of soft touch ditto button is so much better than a big block on the boss i find the boss one whilst that is incredibly hard wearing difficult to get the precision that you need for looping and uh, yeah definitely and you find yourself if you're if you're at ground level which i mean your use for it there sounds sounds awesome and creative but i mean quite a lot of times at gigs if you're like finishing a set or something maybe you're using your hand on your looper yeah um and yeah you don't want to be using like the base of your hand and having to put half the weight of your torso into yeah. <laughs> to start and end a loop yeah so uh definitely uh 
uh, a plus one for for TC on the design there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're reminding me actually. The few times I borrowed an M9 over the years, I loved the looper on them, which I'm pretty sure was the oh, same the DL4. Yeah. It was the same DL4 design exactly. Yeah. It was so good. The the only looper I've ever used that I've thought was more fun was on the the semi successful. Um, uh, what do they call it? They just call it pedal. You know, Eleven Rack had the headrush oh, pedal board. Yeah, I think they still yeah. do do it. It's just it's almost been kind of superseded by everything else. Yeah, I think that yeah. when it came out, it was just unlucky enough to come out. This it was an affordable version of the Helix, and they brought it out just as Line Six released the Helix LT, mm-hmm. and then it was just like oh, they just couldn't. It felt like they couldn't keep up. Yeah. But I loved the product. It was it was really cool. It had like a touch screen. Um, you know, it weighed a ton, but that that wasn't the end of the world. It was just I think they they struggled to get new stuff on board whilst Helix were just updating their catalog all the time. Yeah, Eleven Rack really weren't, but their Looper was incredible because it had all the features of the DL4. Plus, you had an infinite um, time doubler as well as time subtractor. Oh, so nice. you could just you could just hit a pedal over and over again, mm, and mm-hmm. that your loop would keep on speeding up until it's until it's just ridiculous noise. And from a sort of like a making weird sounds perspective, I was like, this is a fantastic feature that I've never seen on any other pedal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, it's good to have kind of slightly more outside the box design on something as um, something as what's the word like fundamental as a looper in terms yeah. of effect isn't it yes exactly now but yeah the hx hx stomp 3. Point, or helix 3.0 um dear listener if you were if you're a helix user on base um absolutely worth upgrading by the sounds of it now um last week uh we were talking about upgrades and i you guys got me thinking about up, upgrades so i i went out and i i bought a bridge i realized you know as as i'd said i'd never done a bridge update so I got a new bridge. Um, I went for the Omega bridges. Have you heard of those? Yes, I have. I think, I mean, I went for it because it wasn't very expensive, you know, and it was my first foray into bridge changing. But they're like, a, I think, are they like an all parts brand? Yeah, Omega? I think I think so. Because I think that's, uh, let's have to double check that. I haven't seen one for a bit. So they're, yeah, they're the ones, which one did you... Which one did you get? It seems like there's a there's a few different styles. Oh yeah, like that very... was it. I was like, I don't. There are so many, but I it, I think it was just like variants. If you wanted the little um, notched tops, but I was like, why would you want that? That's surely what you're getting away from on vintage bridges. But they had that, or just the normal flat bit of metal, and they had them different ones if they were through strung. Oh yeah, yeah. So I just went for the regular one as I was planning to put it on my '60s reissue jazz bass, um, but really affordable, really good. They're obviously just a copy of the of the badass. Yeah. Um, it's just a big chunky chrome bridge. I was looking for something in nickel, you know, rather than chrome because it just ages more nicely. But mm-hmm. but uh, I couldn't find anything on that. So yeah, so I went for the bridge update it turned up today and i did it immediately it was super easy um because it's just a five screw switch over no you know no no issues with that at all Um, no big job no exactly which was fantastic so thank you very much jd for the you know the 
encouraging me to do that. I think this was a good decision. You're welcome. How uh, have you? How do you find it? Like tonally, uh, like everything feels, uh, and and this could be perceived as well, but everything feels like tighter around the bridge. Yeah. Um, if if I if I'm finger picking above the bridge pickup on the jazz bass, it feels a bit more uh, like it's sixties pickup placing but you know the 70s pickup placing is closer to the bridge and it's the strings are much obviously tighter there it feels a bit more like that um but yeah like for it it's it feels less clangy yeah, yeah, yeah. um it, it and i mean that in a positive way even though i'd normally use clangy as a as a positive description of a bass sound um everything feels more secure and more rooted in and i think um you know it, it was definitely a good decision considering I'm 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 still on the fence of like how much this is worth it if you've got like a modern jazz bass or P bass with a modern bridge on it. But if you've got a vintage reissue, as I do with these mm. tiny little flimsy bridges, it really is actually worth it. It does it makes everything much more robust and you know tonally um, a bit more consistent. Um, but yeah, that was super cool. And I got my, uh, I was messaging you guys about this cause I wasn't sure what to get. I was like, do I get, do I get the Demacio jazz pickups? That, cause they're affordable. Do I get the Bartolini's, which I struggled to find in stock anywhere. A set of Bartolini jazz pickups. They have some wonderful options. They have them where, um, the, uh, every string has like an two, the two pole pieces are angled in the same mm -hmm. way that a precision pickup is. Which Super I thought cool. was which was really cool. Lovely like attention to detail there. And I really did want those, but but they were a chunk of money. They were more expensive than anything else because they're you know, up with they're two hundred pounds and, and up sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going for uh just a set of EMG jazz uh bass pickups. Which I know I know is they're active and all, but did, did I didn't know this. They're solderless. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they have, so they have a whole series, yeah, of the solderless ones, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it and so it's just it's just a set. There's, there's, they cost no more money. They're pretty decently priced, like 120 pounds for a set of the, you know, the the solderless two jazz bass pickups, and it's like comes with an instruction manual. You can just pop them in there yourself, no problems. <laughs> Which I thought was absolutely fantastic. I was I was amazed at how quickly I could turn my 60s jazz bass into you know a sort of 80s pink floyd machine yeah, yeah. that's i'm i'm gonna buy some of those. <laughs> i mean i th i think that's one of my favorite pickup designs to come out like in the last i don't know however many years they, they've been kind of doing that where it's just because it's it's not hard but like swapping pickups has always been such a barrier for a lot of people who one either don't want to solder or solder as we say in the states uh <laughs> if you want to you know and or just don't want to have to have the the kit to do it because like there's you know there's plenty of times where like i often have i don't know three or four different sets of pickups lying around and it would be like easy enough for me to be like you know i think it would be great if i could drop in my nordstrands or i drop mm. in some demarzios or something into a jazz bass just to spice it up a bit or just give it some sort of change but it's it's like oh i don't want to do this or i don't want to keep changing my pickups because i at some stage you start losing length in the lead wires you yeah. know <laughs> and and yeah. then at that point it's like you can only do it so many times before it's done yeah. or you splice or something but it's like but 
like electromechanically, it doesn't. There, you don't really like a solar's connection is fine. Like it's it's just a wire connected to a magnet. Like it's not, you know, like we're not transmitting, you know, the internet under the Pacific Ocean. You know, like it's just it's just the, it's that's all it needs to go through. And it's like yeah, it's such a such a quick thing to be able to just think ever so slightly smartly about it and be like wouldn't it be great if the thing we sell like pickups could easily be swapped and changed as opposed to like it being an ordeal or, or needing to take it into a shop to have it done you're you know? 100 yeah. totally right. yeah i can only imagine how many you know how, how many how much bigger a market that opens it up to immediately which absolutely is cool. like even even for me who's i'm re- i'm okay at, at soldering if you know you're uh, very good Thanks. Well, I, I do it often, but I don't enjoy it. Like yeah. it is a, a oh, relatively what? stressful thing to do, sort of I thing. I love so. soldering. <laughs> I yeah. absolutely, I swear to God, I love soldering. I love, I love the the smell of my own burnt flesh at least <laughs> at least once during. Exactly, it. Yeah. JD. Joe, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yes, yes. I, 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 maybe I am bad at it in that case because it's. I find it a very stressful thing, and so. Coming across this product, I was like, oh, so, and, and don't get me wrong, if you were to ask me to pick what my favorite pickup was, I would have said the Bartolini. Now, I've loved every set of Bartolinis I've ever played. I think they look fantastic mm. as well. I love that they put their name across the sort of the blank covering of the, of the pickup. And I loved yeah. the idea behind the angled pole pieces. But even that wasn't quite enough for me to then see the EMGs and be like, oh, you mean I can just put pop these in no i'm gonna do that then you know it was just that was essentially what sold it um and that they do it for a relatively affordable price like 120 pounds for a pair of jazz pickups i think is isn't bad at all i mean i know you know you can obviously pick up you know fender replacement uh, pickups for 60 quid or seymour duncan's you know Mm -hmm. but but uh yes i thought it was uh yeah rather good I'm, i'm i'm pretty chuffed about this but uh, but we'll yeah. see we'll see how it goes. I realised after I swapped them in um, that I don't have a nine volt battery here. Oh <laughs> man! So I, I need to I need to go out and get a nine volt battery. I'll I'll do that tomorrow. Do you have six double A's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll see what I can I'll see what I can dig up. Anyway, we did say we'd answer a, a bunch of questions, so uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll move on to onto that actually d- just quickly before we do can we talk about these illuminati uh illuminati necks illuminati um, illuminati illuminati i mean this this is illuminati cool. Alum- not the first company to um be offering obviously replacement aluminium or aluminum necks for base this is something that all um companies that deal in aluminium instruments tend to offer mm-hmm. um but also the the things that they most companies offer it tend to be like custom made things you know um whereas uh this uh so this is these are the andromeda aluminium or aluminum base necks from illuminati guitar co um, and it looks like they're offering 34-inch scale, available in purple or just the plain aluminium. I mean, it's pretty cool. You can't just say purple; like <laughs> it is a very vibrant 
rich purple. It's yeah. purple in it, all it, caps. It is, it is italicized purple. in like, bold. Yeah, Prince would be like, mm, that may be too purple. You know, like <laughs> Prince would nearly <laughs> Prince would nearly crack a smile at how purple this snack is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is very. I love it. <laughs> to be clear, but it's it yeah. is very very purple. I think these look fantastic. Really cool. I love that the headstock's like cut out on the back as oh, well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, listener, I don't know if that translates as a as a description at all, but it's like a, a hollow back of the headstock, which is very cool. Obviously, a lot of companies that do, you know, sort of metalwork guitar necks do the stamped logo on the headstock where it goes the whole way through, and they have. They've followed suit here with the A for Illuminati going through the entire headstock. These are cool. Yeah, I, I really dig them. I dig that they're two by two for the four strings. It looks like, you know, so that yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think they're really cool. I think it's I think it's such a cool thing to be able to like swap like like a, an aluminium neck just because there's so many times I've, I've really wanted one and, you know, I've, I've had bodies of bases I also really liked and to be able to get basically like, uh, an aluminum necked base, you, you end up looking at like some of the old Kramers, you look at some of the, some of the old, um, like vintage ones to be able to get something for, you know, a thousand us or, or sub a thousand us. That's basically your only real options. And so like being able to like, take something today be able to order something and be like oh this is what i get but yeah like they they seem they seem excellent and being able to like imagining putting this on like a vintage vintage fender body like a 78 p base with an aluminium especially a bright purple aluminium neck would be (laughs) would be one just to see who it wound up would be worth it yeah right but like yeah yeah like tonally I, I would really like to play these. I think I'm really intrigued by them and see like how Travis Beanie they get. You know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. 100%. Well, a, a thousand, uh, a thousand dollars on the street is what the price is. And mm. I was wrong. I'm obviously just reading the press release and saying there's purple and silver. There are eleven colors to choose from. I was just gonna say I'm on the yeah. side here checking checking them out. All as vibrant as. As the beautiful purple that we've just seen, yeah. and of course my favorite, including a jet black. So you can only imagine how smart that would look on. Yeah, like you're saying, JD, on something like a super traditional vintage body, like a like a seventy AP or something. I would love to see that and hear it. Yeah, and play it. Uh, the this is very exciting. I think I'm I'm gonna have to buy one. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what I... color? What color are you gonna go for if you do? It would be black. It, it yeah. would have to be the black. Um carbon fiber fretboard as well, which uh so good. Which yeah. I'm, I'm awesome. very excited about. Yeah. No like... um no endangered woods in sight. Yeah. Oh, and and you can pay for it monthly. Yeah, the, it the paper yeah. monthly is the thing that yeah, so it's basically like you're looking at what a hundred a hundred US or so like that yeah. to do like one that's that's just such a smart way to do it because also i don't the the brushed aluminium like that silver the one that's not like super shiny chrome is, is voyager really, silver yeah they call it. yeah yeah the names are great <laughs> pulsar pulsar purple 
That's there, this uh, Pleiadian pink play Pleiadian Pleiadian all the vowels are there. Yeah, so there's there it's one hundred and fifty dollars extra for some of the weirder colours. Gold. Oh, look at it. Corona gold. Yeah. That is, that is. <laughs> that's not not the not the not this year. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this oh, is uh, this is yeah. a super cool product. Oh, the red! Did you see? Oh, the what's, orange. What's orange. interesting to me, and there may you guys tell me is there something fundamental I'm missing here? But the fact that there's just one scale length for now is interesting because only thirty four. Yeah. yeah, I would love to see a shorter scale. Is is there something in the manufacture of? Aluminium necks that would make that not a good idea, or I think it's just the machining. It's just where we're at for yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You think that I, I imagine the bulk of the type of players who would be looking for carbon fiber fretboards and aluminium necks are going to mm. be um, are going to be playing in particular genres that probably have quite detuned bases. I, yes. I, you know, well, as, a, I mean, as a guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, see, like for me, like well, I, I obviously don't necessarily do that, but like for me, like it it. It really feels much more like Jesus lizardy, like you know, like that sort of piercing tone that like that isn't necessarily drop tuned or is dropped like a half step, you know, like a E flat tuning sort of thing. But like, yeah. I sort of see it as like being being like tight and grindy more so than huh, be interesting. Yeah. yeah, for sure. These are. Dope. I think I am gonna get one of these. All right, I'm gonna do this. Okay. Anyway, let's. Uh, well, so we we should uh, we should take some questions from the group because, as I said, there were some very good ones. Let's uh, let's start it off. Graham Sheridan um, has said, "What's the best cheap amp uh, you've used, even if it was just to test?" As an example, he used a Behringer Ultra Bass BXD three thousand H. He thought that was rather rather good. Um, uh, mm. JD, do you want to start us off? I'm trying to think of like the, the cheap amps that I've used in. Like so, most of it would be like amps that I think we've talked about is like cheap but value. So like that, if I really think about like bang for buck wise for me, it would still be probably one of the Harky like the thirty five hundred like that mm-hmm. head. I know that's not necessarily like super cheap, but like that's kind of what I what like what first draw drew me in was just you know like his instead of like multi thousand you know dollar pound head. Um, also just quick shot, like the, I do have a quite cheap amp that I've, uh, just got this week. Um, I've been playing recently. It's a 1983, uh, Marshall keyboard 12 amp. Um, they got mostly for keyboards, but is also, uh, as you imagine, pretty great for a bedroom. Oh, cool. Um, So it's just a, it's just a, yeah, like, uh, quite old now, (laughs) um, uh marshall like solid state marshall amp like 12 watts just sounds sounds fine i mean sounds uh like a more keyboardy guitar amp so it's not like it's a little sort of hollow sounding in the mids compared to like a a big full bass rig but like totally works um actually sounds quite good with my upright um and which i sort of like kind of that cutty cutting dryness in the mids but yeah like Mm -hmm. got it for you know, like super cheap, um, but it's in, and it's just a, yeah, small, tiny little amp. But I think there's there's so many there's so many good small amps out there. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it depends how affordable you know we we need to be. But yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, small rigs have come on such a long way in the last decade for for bass players. Um, yeah. What definitely. about you, Naomi? I feel like I've talked about both of these before, but I mean, my favorite, both in terms of portable-ish combo um, and sound and budget at the time, was a version. Yeah, one of the first versions of Ampeg BA one fifteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Superb amp. And it was like it was like in a store that I was working in and stayed there mysteriously. You know, it was just one of those amps that it was like, how has someone not bought this and given <laughs> it a, a really loving home yet? And I think it may have even been borrowed by a band or two um, to record with at the time. And they came back raving about it. So, um, yeah, it was just superb. And I mean, you know, I wouldn't expect the world from a one, from a one by 15 specifically. But um, yeah, just kind of across styles kind of gave me everything I need the few times I did try it so I was super super impressed by it um, and they do pop up kind of cheapish secondhand. Yeah, um, they were definitely a cornerstone of like a, you know affordable amplification for a long yeah, time yeah absolutely yeah um, and the other one which again I think I might have mentioned before uh, which is a super unlikely contender but I'm mentioning it just because it was so cheap was it was one of those Marshall MB series. Mm. Um, it was oh, the really? four, yeah, the forty-four ten pair four by ten combo <laughs> was just in backlines across Ireland for quite a while, and um, I would turn up to gigs and people would be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, it's it's one of those. It's 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 not much. It's a Marshall combo," and I'd I'd see it and light up because I. Uh, knew how hard I could drive it with the head, <laughs> with the head that I was sneaking into it with a um, a trusty speak on to female speaker jack, so I could wow. um, basically rewire the. Because you know the way a lot of those combos have the they have the tail cable coming out from the cab into course, the the yeah. head of the combo. So I was kind of reverse engineering that, so putting my own head into into that cab. <laughs> ah, smart. Yes, Very smart. Yeah, those those Marshall combos always they looked like. Um, props they look like yeah. they felt like pretend amplifiers they were so yes they did everything on them was so incredibly flimsy like if the marshall yeah. logo had been made out of thinner lighter weight plastic it would have disintegrated it would have just jumped off the amp yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah they were done here they yeah. were yeah they were they were funny uh, they yeah. were good. I, I'm I'm going to go for an amp from the same era, actually. Mm. That's um, that was a little bit smaller, but the um, and and it was it was affordable only because it was so small. But the the Gensbens Shuttle yeah. uh, 3.0, the shuttle oh, range, yeah. the shuttle range, oh, it was so good. Everything in that shuttle range was fantastic. But the 3.0 was sold as a combo, but the head was removable, like a a bit like a you know a drop head on an Ampeg or something. It came in its own little kind of one U thing on the on the top of the single 10 inch speaker that it came with. But my goodness, like I remember when we had those at GAC, and the whole thing with those Gensbenzes, you'd be like, you could put a five or a six string bass through it. And it was also fine, you know, for yeah. a, a 110. Yeah. It was a 300-watt combo. I mean, 300-watt at four ohms, I think it's obviously putting out about 175 into the actual 110. But super loud enough to gig, really versatile tone shaping, built like tanks. Those, All of that Gensben's shuttle series, because I think there was like a, tw- a shuttle 12 and a shuttle like 9.2 as well, a few other bits and bobs. Re- really good range of amplifiers. It was 
a shame to see them uh, see them disappear. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But I think they're, they're back as Gensler now, aren't they? Yeah. Are they? Yeah, okay. Because I think Fender bought Gens Benz and uh, I don't know if they've really done anything with them and, and now Gensler are back again. But I think, yeah, I think they, like, they got, they bought, this is, this is my, you know, lore and working assumption is that they, they bought Gens Benz, but it was before they really started pushing their own line of amps again. Like yeah, base amps again, and same with like when, because you know when they had S, they bought SWR, and then that kind of just went away. Um, in that, and it was like, oh, we're we're you know, it's like, oh, we'll we'll buy an amp range to then sell, and it's like, or we could just. What turns out, people want Fender style amps, not SWR from Fender kind mm. of thing. Exactly. Also, SWR is a good shout. I ne- like cabinets were always great. Like a lot of their. A lot of their 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 working man's fifteen, I think, is was was also a really good small cheap amp that I had uh, for a really long time that I liked a lot. Yeah, yeah. Did they do a four by ten in that series as well? Probably it was working something. Probably yeah, because they did those those like it was like yeah, it's like workman's. That was basically their their like sort of home entry range, you know, sort of working thing. Man's. But yeah, those were those are some good good combos that i i missed that you could you used to be able to pick up or you'd find places or yeah. something you know like back in the day when you could you know you could find something at like a pawn shop where no one knew what it was and you're like i'll take this please thank you you know nice yeah yeah it was it was the working man's 4 by 10 t that i played a few times big yeah. fan i mean the idea of 410 combos is just <laughs> it just speaks to like we didn't know what we were doing no, right well, yeah let's like... not forget that um the ashdown did the mark king head as an 810 combo oh God. do you remember that <laughs> i do now very good which <laughs> i just i love i love that there'd be something that size that there's no way you can share with anyone at a gig <laughs> <It's>, yeah <laughs> 
great, great. Yeah, that was a brilliant product. I mean, we, I, I do think if we, you know, when it comes to affordable products, and since you know, starting to work for Ashdown, I've kind of got what the other guitar nerds have, where they're sort of a little bit conscious about talking about the the brands that they work for. Even though I sure. obviously played Ashdown for years and years before, and I've always been a big fan, so I sort of steer mm. away from talking about them, but. I, I think I, you know, had I not felt like that when we started this question, I would have immediately gone for the the old Ashdown like Mag series, the Mag three yeah. hundreds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because they were they were on every single backline, and they obviously yes. they did them in they did them in umpteen different combo formats, and there was like a one eighty or two forty, maybe something like that, um, that had an especially blue face, and it was like you'd just see it at every small venue. It was the carpet covered combo that they'd pull out of the back and it was just you know it wasn't amazing but then none of the amplifiers that we're talking about right now are it was just consistent and yeah. you knew you know you knew how to get a tone out of it and as as far as affordable amps go they had a built-in compressor a built-in valve driver and you know the sub harmonic as well so it was a bit oh of my a, God, the a Swiss sub. Army knife. Yeah, sub army. Yeah. Does everyone remember their first time turning that up and being like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I, uh... I am Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> I own this tiny stage in this scout den. I missed the times before... Uh, before controls were as uniformed as they are now on bass amps. Like we spoke about, and the other amp that obviously, even though we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, should be talked about, the the Hartkey HA series. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. the fact that you just have, you tone shape by the two volumes that they have, like one solid state, one valve. And that's, you know, obviously it does have a band EQ on there as well, but I love that that was how you kind of got your tone by blending up these two different preamps. It's just such a such a weird idea, and again, built-in compressor. Um, yeah, on the on the HA series. I oh. mean, it feels like for so many, like the the small combos, like it's just a smart idea to put in like built-in limiters yeah. and stuff. So it's like you can't drive because it's you know so many of them. Like everyone just gets they treat the eq like volume knobs like i mean how many times have you gone into like a rehearsal space or seen someone with an amp where it's like all the eqs dimed and you're just like what but why that's not how eq or it's just just adding and boosting everything and it's like put my my tone's all distorted and it's like well right you know (laughs) but yeah so it's just like having the built-in limiter so you don't end up like hurting anything and blowing up the the amp is such a good idea that compressor works so well but yeah like it's it's interesting that you see you see built-in built-in compressors on almost all bass amps now like really i guess a lot of them yeah um well i don't i don't know yeah i get i guess quite a few will have a sort of a built-in limiter of some form and yeah you're absolutely right it's a good idea I guess everyone tries to put on something on a bass amp. I don't know if they do so much on guitar amps. I think on guitar amps, people just try and make them make their tone distinctly recognizable or a perfect emulation of something classic. Whereas on bass amps, everyone's trying to put on a control that you'll find that you need that you can't get from anywhere else. Like Mark Bass with their vintage loudspeaker emulator. And then I don't know what the that's the vle i don't know what the vpf stands for but that's their mid scoop control 
Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys familiar with Black Star's Unity series? That These was, are the base- is that the affordable one with just the star on the front? Yes, it right. is. And yeah, they not, have. Not too, I'm not familiar with them really at all. Yeah, just they were the first amps that I first bass amps that I saw with onboard effects, and they sound great. Like on on all um, configurations of the series, they have they've overdrive distortion and fuzz, and oh. chorus and sub octave on um, yeah as standard. It's well, I'm I bring it up only because it was my first time seeing it on bass amps. Um, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the sure Laney did their. Um, oh, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of their series of bass amps. It's still their current line of bass amps, and they were really, really good. Um, Nexus, there we go. I think that's right. It might not be, I, but um, yeah, I think it is. Um, and they did their their on their range of bass heads. It had, it had chorus, and then there was one other effect. Oh, I think. I think it was reverb. Like it was something oh, like what? it was wow. like. What yeah. is this? What is this yeah, doing? Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not 100 that it was reverb. But the effects that were on there, uh, and and there was an octaver on there as well. But it was just like, nice. what is this? This is just an 80s machine. Yeah. But it came out like five <laughs> years ago. But, um, very super cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, anyway, we should we should answer another question. Um, Okay, so um, I guess yeah. That's, uh, so Robin Smith has uh, has said, "I'm a guitarist, but I want to lay down some bass tracks at home through my Helix." Oh, this is a good one for you, Naomi. Um, mm. What's a good cheap guitarist-friendly bass uh, for never playing through an amp, but only straight into Ableton via the Helix? And I guess mm. um, I guess this actually lead, kind of leads into some other questions we said we'd deal with kind of all at once um because we've also had matthew quinn has said if you're a guitar player who's moving to bass where to start and uh we've got one other haven't we i think uh yes um uh we've got it was uh, from eric scott yeah bass nerds what would you suggest for a guitarist looking to get into bass for home recording and just expanding his skill set so kind of all the same sort of question we're gonna we'll talk mm-hmm. about the helix wise thing but then we let's talk about you know i guess affordable basses with an yeah. eye on guitarists moving towards it rather than a bass player taking it up for the first time yeah I don't know, do you guys want to like have a running bet for how long we get into each episode before I bring up short scale basses? <laughs> uh, or Squire Broncos? Yeah. Um. Well, it's, it's kind of, it's the inevitable, isn't it? If we're talking about, I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at, wasn't I, when I say, if we're thinking about a guitarist who's moving to bass, mm. and especially if in the case of like Robin Smith's thing, you know, he's, he's saying he's not going to be using it live or even through an amp, but he's going to be using it at home even from a kind of just convenience space, everything mm-hmm. else perspective. And, mm-hmm. you know, on top of the ease of moving, you know, only up from, you know, he'll be moving up from 25, 26 inch scale, only up to 30 rather yeah. than all the way up to 34. Um, yeah, there absolutely. Are, there are obvious advantages to sticking with short scale. Yeah. And I, I feel also, you know, it's okay to kind of stick with ubiquity uh, to a degree with stuff like this. So, you know, maybe it's not that different to if we were, if any of the three of us were looking for a guitar to have 
you know, yeah. I feel like it would be somewhat likely that a, a general recommendation would be something like a Baja Telly, just because it's tried and tested. Well, on um, this show. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean it's like um, you know something that's fairly widely regarded in its um, in its field I suppose um, as as a, as a bit of a go-to yeah. so I mean yeah for that reason like the, the very obvious sort of answer is sort of the Mustang or in the super budget range something like the Bronco um, uh, uh, yeah I mean I agree and, and also just partially because I guess what you're going to want is a is a relatively is a really well trodden base tone as yes. well. Yeah. Cuz yeah, there's I, n- there's nothing too wild about the tone in either of those bases. No, exactly. Um you know, yes, it's a little left of the of the very classic kind of um P or J tones, let's say. It, it is that little bit subbier and kind of different in in its in its characteristics, but if nothing else, I mean it's a very bassy tone. You know, so if you're if you're wanting to um, completely get away from um, from sort of guitar sonically, yeah, um, it, it will do that for you. Obviously, I do, I do think the Bronco needs some upgrades though, like off the bat, kind of to make it to make it good. Whereas aiming maybe at the classic vibe Mustang bass, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah, for sure. You for get sure. Cool colours in that as well. White with a torque guard, or I, I can't remember if it's a blue or a green. Um, uh, is it Daphne blue or Sonic blue? Maybe. Oh, in the classic vibe, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or is and it then... a green? No, it's it is a green. Yeah, in the classic vibe. Um, yeah, surf green uh, with a perloid guard. So you're choosing yeah. between those two, Olympic white or surf green, which is pretty cool. Those are that's a pretty cool choice to be able to make. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously into the player series are kind of the next the next price bracket. You have some gorgeous kind of colour options there as well. Plus you get a PJ pickup. A P- yes, PJ pickup of configuration course, I in forgot. the player series. And then all of a sudden you've got a jazz bass and a P bass. Yeah, which is know. especially for home recording and stuff. Because you really would get a wide range of traditional sounds out of out of either of those or blending those. And I think I think... You know, like if you're not super into bass yet, but you're you want something versatile, like yeah, the PJ PJ option sounds great. You know, like gives you a lot of a ton of versatility without like yeah, it all feels like bang for buck that you're trying to get right. Like you're you're trying yeah. to like you're you're not wanting to to go you know full bore on anything. It's just sort of like let's just make sure I have I have something really versatile, something I can use. But yeah, so I I mean these are all great shouts. So mm-hmm. far. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I do think we should probably mention something from Yamaha. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> by all means, something from Yamaha, but something in the in the thirty four inch, um, something in the thirty four inch range as well that we that we would all consider sort of a go to. I I um, agree. Yeah, I mean, as, on the as as base one hundred and one for a guitarist, we are, we are also kind of presuming here that like the versatility, and and this is a, a perfectly reasonable presumption for us to have made, but that versatility and kind of standard tone is is the is the aim of this. And I think in that case, I do think that the player Mustang is probably the best thing from a short scale perspective. Yes, but I, if I would want, agree with that. But for like, if if you're thinking affordable and you want a bass, and maybe you want short scale, and you're not too fussed about the tone, and you you might think, well, I do like that, but I would like something that looks super cool around the home. 
the Epiphone viola bass yeah. um, or yeah, the Hofner ignition sure. violin bass, which I saw mm-hmm. someone had purchased recently on the on the group. Both incredibly affordable and they look so good. Um, the the Epiphone one I I do think trumps the Hofner on build quality for the for the price. Um, and you get a center block on the Epiphone, so you can actually drive it, unlike the Hofner. Yeah, the only the the only downside I see to the Hofner is that like they do a thing. It feels like you know, like there there's like they don't feel super versatile to me, you know. But no, I yeah, agree with you. Not. Like it's you know, it, it's like they do that vibe where you know, like you. Whereas, like if we're looking at a Mustang or like a jazz bass or a Yamaha BB series um, bass, something like that, like it could do any style of music and and feel natural and, and sit well. Whereas like the, the Hofner made probably could, but like you'd have to play a, a special kind of metal for it to really work. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. I, I got I got a, a violin bass and brought it to a polymath practice once. Did um, you? Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I probably played it for half an Did hour your before. Did saxophonist like blow a gasket? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the it, the yeah the I got about half an hour in before I was asked to change back onto something else. Oh God! Um, it, it it really was not. It's were, not were, the right instrument. Were you in like drop like, C? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and you know the bridge is just like fret wire on a yeah. on a hofter violin bass so it really wasn't handling the drop c incredibly well it uh, wasn't yeah sounds like it was a bass welfare call that was made in that yeah. case um <laughs> can i give a really really brief shout to a su- one in one in this another one in the super budget range which i'm not sure if we've touched on but does actually come in short scale and um short scale short and long scale um all for under the 200 mark are you guys familiar with the ibanez tmb series at all i am yeah that's another pj contender um that i've only laid my hands on a few times Um, oh this is the talman uh, yeah yeah the talmans yeah they're not going to set the world on fire obviously with the parts included at that price point but in terms of um a base to um to have at hand in a room for a little bit of recording i absolutely would be a fan of their tone especially um, if you want something unique yeah yeah and and yeah exactly they're they, they are that little bit different um and they look really cool as well I, yeah you know? they have the like that offset style like i love the headstocks yeah. on those mm-hmm. um i think i looked at getting one uh i think because they have a, a black one with a tort guard yeah, it looks incredible. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's like what, like 150? It's less. It, it's they're cheap as they're you know they're yeah 200 quid you know like you can get the yeah I, that's an excellent shout. Yeah, one yeah. on my one on my um hen's teeth search list currently is I think it was a 2018 model, but they did an unbelievable turquoise sparkle with <sighs> neck inlays, <laughs> matching headstock, and I mean its retail price was something like still under 200. These and are so affordable. Yeah, yeah, they're so cool, and like this um limited. I mean, it was like you know sort of fs or equivalent it was it was limited um to 2018 i think they did like one run or something right. and the w- only one i've seen since like i have searches set up and everything but the only one i've seen since was going for like 600 pounds amazing of course so <laughs> they have a i, I will get seen one. This. they have a black on black short scale yeah 
It looks so good. They've uh. got some great ones. I, I'm actually quite into the five string. Have you seen this? Yeah, one, they do one a five nine as well. Five. I mean, okay, we're yeah. so far away from guitarists getting basses because absolutely guitarists don't buy a five string. It'll, yeah. it'll confuse you. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll have a weird time. Um, yeah, I mean, they do a walnut finish as well, which is yeah, super sorry. pretty. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry not to go off on a big tangent, but I just thought the TM, the Talman TMB uh, was more than deserving of a shout because, again, they are so cheap. They look cool. Um, we've actually got that PJ configuration that we were just talking about. And, um, yeah, super comfortable players, and they sound yeah. good. If they So they have an ivory color with a black guard. If they had a torque yes. guard... It would be in my cart at the moment. <laughs> yeah, the ivory is sweet. It's it's very kind of Olympic white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's an aged ivory. It's mm. it's an ivory from a smoking elephant who's, who's <laughs> well aged. <laughs> like, I see. Yes. Yeah. This. Yeah. The black with the torque guard for now. Uh, it's two two nine for the black with the torque guard. It is more money. But mm. the uh, but yeah the short scale oh, see, ones I, saw I guess one for one five somewhere one five yeah one five oh, one this, these are so good yeah <laughs> no I th- I mean I think this this may actually be because it it ticks so many boxes in that it's it looks slightly unique it looks very classic mm-hmm. it's you know it's easy they're easy to play they're great we all highly recommend them. and it's and they're so cheap that if you're wanting to do like proper bass lines and properly sort of just because you play differently on 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 a bass than you would a guitar anyway but like yeah, to be able to absolutely. like record and not just play your guitar with an octave or something and play like you know like fairly boring bass lines as you would just naturally do that way like i think it's i think it's a really good shout like look at yeah. these these ipad yeah. tmbs yeah for I, sure i completely agree they're very good. Well, there you go. I think that that answers uh, that answers all three of those questions, um, which leaves us only one to to try one. Well, there are a few, there, with only one more that I think we're going to try to answer, which is um, uh, uh, oh uh, yes, uh, should we do what, what? What do you guys think? J Jeffrey JJ's question as our last question or. Um, we actually try, kind of answered uh, Mike Coe's question. He asked, why don't more people play Hofner violin basses? <laughs> oh, well, there you <laughs> so go. So there you go. Bonus question um, uh, answered. So um, uh, Jay, Jeffrey JJ says, as a guitarist who has played bass a few times and found it really difficult, what are some of the most common mistakes guitarists make when playing the bass and how can they be avoided? Yeah, I think this question has been asked uh, potentially more than once so sorry to anyone who we didn't get to before um, but I think it's a, it's a really good question um, as well because I think all of us are familiar it, you know it goes both ways bassists playing a bit of guitar and guitarists playing a bit of bass yeah. and um, yeah obviously with the fretboard being uh, fundamentally the same structure it's 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 easy to, to assume things of the other instrument isn't it yeah yeah absolutely um, it was, I think, on on the Guitar Nerds Facebook group. There was this came up actually in a discussion where someone who had recently taken up bass from guitar was saying how surprised they were at how different it was 
um, just tonally, like how much more, I remember the, the thing he said that he noticed the most was how much more important each individual note's uh, playing is. You know, almost how much difference there is between finger style and playing with a plectrum, whereas guitar is relatively negligible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's a massive choice and a huge tonal choice on a bass, as is where you're playing on the instrument. Whereas on a guitar, it's that again is virtually completely non-existent. Where where your right hand is positioned isn't making a lot of tonal difference at all. On the bass, it's everything. You know, it's the sound of a jazz bass versus the sound of a Hofner violin bass, whether you're playing at the bridge or the neck. Um, yeah, and absolutely. and then just and and I think it was like how much how much harder it is to be consistent across the strings. I think was a was something that was mentioned as well, which is of course why you know bass players love compression so much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's um, of course, absolutely, there's dexterity required in in both instruments, but obviously, physically, you're you're working with a larger instrument with bass, aren't you? So your your technique in both hands is going to be different. It's not that it's harder or easier, um, but there are bigger reaches both horizontal horizontally and vertically um for left and right hand um, yeah and yeah obviously with that comes comes nuances in technique i would definitely recommend to anyone um to check out some educators you know like we're living in such a golden age now where there's unbelievable advice on on a youtube like i remember looking up marlo dk years mm. ago i don't know if yeah. either of you guys are familiar yeah there. um then getting into scott divine then i ended up taking some lessons with evan marion who is bringing out a book soon as well um yeah so just as little or as much as you want to delve into that it, it's a really awesome thing to just sort of touch base with some educator whether it's watching one youtube video or going as deep as taking one or two lessons or paying to watch a masterclass or something like that because um yeah definitely what um identifying someone who plays music that you love and then if you're lucky enough that they are also an educator i think it, it's uh a brilliant way to break down barriers of um of kind of getting to know the fundamentals of the instrument for sure yeah i i completely agree i, I and mm. you know second a second upvote for Scott Devine from Scott's yeah. bass lessons, who I, yeah. I think we mentioned before on this, but they're just such w- wonderful, great lessons. And he does a good range of stuff from like the ground up. Uh, so he can really teach you to get started as well as how to, I have to say I left his lessons at one point because he's, his, his, all his stuff is very formulaic and it's based around kind of a professional bass players, which is what he's mm, aiming at. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know, he's talking about um, sight reading and where to position your, you know, your neck and your, uh, your, your, the line of your eyes so that you can keep an eye on what you're doing whilst reading music. Like it's, there's stuff yeah. like that and it becomes too formulaic at some point. Like he really, really pushes away from, uh, players who uh, who anchor their thumb, which is essentially my whole playing yeah. style. My yeah. thumb stays permanently in that position, and I use my thumb for my low string mm-hmm. for the bulk of my stuff. And I, I was kind of like, I don't really want to move away from that because I actually I like having the extra finger on the fretboard for making some chord shapes. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, but you don't obviously have to take on everything that that you get taught. I think for basic fundamentals, he he's brilliant and he's taught me loads of stuff. Yeah, he is absolutely. And like, 
that sort of segs into my next point because I was nervous to make this point. I mean, the the first, uh, I suppose, input that popped into my head when I read the question was um, the thing that some people can slip into if they're moving from guitar to bass is the idea of playing the bass like a guitar, being yeah. uh, super melodic. Like, I don't want to say overplaying, but I suppose technically it, it is a bit of a habit that one can slip into if you're going from uh, a very melodic instrument to something that... Um, objectively carries a different role because obviously we you know we all have everyone has different tastes like the three of us have different tastes and that that makes for great conversation do you know what I mean but yeah. um, I can't not make the point about less is more when um, when playing the bass even even just to start out like fundamentally and while we're talking about educators as well I think there's a superb bit of video from Victor Wooten's is it called the Groove Workshop does that ring any bells to you guys? There was like a Vic Wooten DVD um, that I may or may not have watched on the internet and not the DVD. That's, um, but it was, uh, there's a bit in it, which I hope is somewhere super accessible to people, um, called The Rhythm Yardstick, where he runs through... Um, he runs through basically like clapping exercises and one-note exercises at various points in, in a bar of four. And uh, it really, really stuck with me just in terms of how much you can change a groove yeah. by just playing one note of bass in a bar and then shifting around where you're playing that one note and how how that can change the feel. Oh, that sounds um, great. I love the idea. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, if I can if I can find it, I'll definitely... Oh, um, please do. Share it on I'll, the group. Yeah, I'll link it in the group. Because, um, yeah, it, it really kind of helped me to turn a corner in terms of how I view... Uh, the bass's role right because I'd, i would never say you know um bass is the be all end all rhythm instrument like i grew up in love with cliff burton do you know what i mean and his yeah. lines so it's like um yeah it's definitely not just a rhythm instrument to me but um and uh, yeah so I'm, I'm rambling but yeah. what i mean is what i mean is i wouldn't call playing lead a common mistake no um fundamentally but it's it's something to to be very mindful of if Absolutely. you're if you're first getting into playing bass for sure yeah i yeah. completely agree and i would i mean so like just sort of my take was was all going to be around like just primarily around note length and just sort of yeah. approaching approaching bass as bass and if you're to really get into the mindset is to sort of again if you're watching youtube or whatever is just sort of look at the bass players that other bass players like and and sort of try to figure out why but it's but it is in kind of coming back to the idea around you're making naomi around the the just different techniques that you would use like if you're thinking about playing rhythm guitar like a lot of the shapes and stuff you'll be playing is you know certainly if you think about acoustic guitar or whatever where you're, you're playing a chord shape and then your picking hand is mostly somewhat randomly playing you know like notes and letting them kind of just you know like kind of go and sort of like exist on top of something but like when you're playing bass you're playing the thing that the other stuff exists on top of a lot of times and you have yeah. like a much richer harmonic role to play in that as well but it's also the it's just the note length and being able to to change a groove and to sort of like play intentionally so you you it's like when you see the sloppiness or and it's just different it's just you you think differently so it, it's the you see notes like kind of like a lot of times i'll see like when guitar players play play, play bass it's either playing it like a guitar but it, it, it a lot of it for me is the letting the notes last too long 
you know and so like mm, with bass mm-hmm. it's, it's all about the 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 length and and playing so it's sort of like also bring in that clapping exercise of like playing with like how long each note is and being like really specific with you know whether or not you're playing a quarter or an eighth or something and and just and sort of pushing that a bit and sort of seeing like oh i'm letting this go on a little bit too long on purpose or a cutting it a bit short and just seeing like how that changes and and also you know like playing more with the drums or like with the center piano or like you you sort of sit with different instruments in a different way and so it's like kind of looking at that role is really mm-hmm. um, important and and one of the things that helped me i think be a better bass player and understand bass more like that was was when i got more into composition and i kind of stopped playing bass for a while um and then I, when I went back to bass, like one, I played much more simply than I did before, which was all two hand tapping. Like YouTube wasn't a big <laughs> thing, but I probably would have had my own channel. You know, I would have been like, hey, guys, you know, like and all that. But like now it's, you know, like then I came back and I was like, look at me. I'm playing whole notes, you know. And yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's just it's just kind of understanding like the the point. And also, I mean, still today, like I'm. I would say I mostly overplay anyway, and like most well, of my you're playing, a lead bass player. Well, well yeah, fair, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but it's but it is that you know like that's all there. But like at the root and core of it for me is is still that you know simple walking bass line that's like leading harmony or like playing with playing with the other chord structures, you know, and yeah. making everything richer and and like that's the space I like to be in. Certainly when I'm when I get to just be a bassist a lot of times yeah. yeah yeah i completely agree absolutely and also the the first point that um j jeffrey jj makes in his uh question is uh as a guitarist who has played bass a few times and found it really difficult i think it's really important to not try everything you can to not make it difficult for yourself as well and that's you know, uh, in the traditional role of the bass, that's one of the beauties of it is it doesn't have to be difficult. You are just holding down a root, you know, and it kind of comes back to the same point that we're sort of all mutually making, which is that, it, you know, it doesn't have to be lots of notes. It doesn't have to be um, long notes, it doesn't have to be complex, it doesn't have to be fast. Um, outside of the super golden rule of play for the song, um, you know, there is a lot that you can play with with the bass in terms of keeping things simple that you potentially can't afford to do with instruments like the guitar yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely well i think that that quite nicely um rounds off a a very thorough answer to that question i'm pretty happy with our answer to to that question that was that was that wasn't bad also just before before you wrap it up i also want to say thank you for saying that it can be difficult to play bass because you don't get that from a lot of guitar players there's like only four strings (laughs) <laughs> Jacko only needed four. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. is footage of Jacko playing a five string, just FYI. Well, well, there you go. Well, there you go. And on that, on that note, bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that that is the that is the end. Thank you, dear listener, for for joining us on this ten episode series of the Bass Guitar Nerds. We're going to be back um, in the middle of December for the Gear of the Year podcast episode, where we're going to decide the best bass guitar, best bass amplifier, and best best bass effects pedal released in 2020. And then, you know, after that, we're going to be back in the new year with season two of the Bass Guitar Notes podcast. So thank you very much for tuning in. 
We'll be back soon with more of this bass guitar nerdery. Farewell. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.